Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. I was talking to Nate Klein today, and he was shocked that I was 31 years old. So I told everybody, I don't know all the ages here, but um, I think I'm to the age where I start, where I'm starting to get injuries in my sleep. So (laughs) I can't think of any other reason why I would have back pain. So Um, if you have your Bibles today, open up with me to Judges chapter 16. Um, Judges 16 is where we're going to be at. I'm going to start this off with a question for everybody, and and it can be rhetorical. I'm comfortable asking that because Joe's not here to to, um, (laughs) chime in. So Um, has anybody here ever messed up their lives? (laughs) And what I mean, has anybody here ever done something that caused a great amount of pain or muddied the waters in your life or... um, cause at least some, some temporary or maybe some long-term damage uh, to your life. Um, I don't think I'm going on too much of a limb to say everybody in here has at least done something at a time in their life that has messed up their lives. For you, maybe it was joining a Ponzi scheme, or maybe it was um, doing something stupid when you had one too many, or, or for a lot of people, maybe it was a season of addiction. I know for me, especially when I was in my 20s coming up through the, the fire department and all that, I really struggled with, with drugs and alcohol. So, um, it, 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 and we t- kind of talked about this last week. It costed me a lot. It, it's costed me some respect. It's costed me promotions. Um, it, it, it's costed a lot in my life. But most importantly, um, like we talked about, it costed me a relationship with God. And that was a big deal for me for a long time. Um, so in preparation for this week's service, I, I, it just begged the question within me. Why or, or how do people who are so smart and so gifted and have so much um, promise in their life end up royally messing up their lives? And the answer to that is they don't do it all at once. They do it one bad decision, step, or habit at a time. Right? We, we, we tend to think when we see other people struggling or where they're at, is that it was one, one thing in their life that led to their life ending in, or being in catastrophe, right? But really, if you think about it, the answer to that question is, we ruin our lives one bad step, decision, or habit at a time. Um, this evening, we're going we're gonna to look at a, a story from a leader in the Old Testament who, uh, despite everything God had given him and, and God's guidance and God's best best uh, offerings in his life, he really went out of his way to ruin his God-given talent, which ended up costing him his life. So I know you, there's probably 10 or 11 people you have in mind, so I'm going to alleviate your guessing here. Um, this evening, we're going to talk about the fall of Samuel, right? If you guys know who Samuel is, he was um, a chosen judge in the Old Testament before there were kings and things like that. And uh, God blessed him with super... I guess the word is superhuman strength. Um, And and his only, he gave him guidance on on what he wanted him to do and how he wanted him to carry on his life and lead people. His only guidance was to not cut his hair. His hair gave him tremendous strength. So we're going to look at Samson and and really how he got 
to who he was and his, his gifts and his God-given talent to where he ended up in his life and what ultimately costed him his life. Um, so if you, have, if you have your Bibles, Judges chapter 16, verse 1, and I really want you to focus on one thing here, the actual steps, habits, and, and bad decisions that, that got us there and how we can relate to him. So I'm going to open up in uh, chapter 16, verse 1. One day, pause, one day, right? It says one, one day. One day, and why would I choose to pause there? One thing that stood out to me is, is um, we like to paint people's misfortunes in, in very small patterns, right? We like to look at things that have happened in, in people's lives and, and define it in one sentence, right? Um, but we, like I know from personal experience, almost nothing catastrophic comes about in one day, right? But we like to paint it that way. We like to, to, to narrow it down to our understanding of what happened to that person, right? You know, Shay began drinking, and these are just examples here. <laughs> Shay began drinking, and, and it costed him his family. Mitch began gambling, and he lost his house. Nate had an affair with his secretary. It's really bad to use people in the, in the crowd. I feel, I feel super guilty about that. I... Right. So that's, we got a perfect example. <laughs> Nate got a second secretary, and they had an affair, and it costed him his, his family and his home, right? We like, to, we like to paint into one sentence what oftentimes took weeks, months, years, or decades to come about, right? But nothing catastrophic comes about in one day. The only thing that, that sometimes develops rather quickly is when we start making a bad decision, right? Almost always in our steps to catastrophe comes with a, a, a bad thought that is put into your head, right? A bad decision that we, we either choose to act or not act upon, right? And the steps to catastrophe in our lives, a bad decision leads to a series of bad steps in the wrong way, which leads to a bad habit, which leads to destruction, right? So going on, verse 1, Samson went to Gaza, where he saw a prostitute. Pause. I'm probably not, not winning a, a Nobel Prize in science here by telling you that the bad decision there in, in that step was to go see a prostitute, right? It's self-explanatory that the prostitute in, in that, in that um, story was the bad decision, correct? But what I want to really examine here is the steps that were taken in between the bad decision and the prostitute, right? Again, us not painting something uh, bad or, or, or terrible in somebody's life in one sentence, but what were the steps that he took to get there, right? I, I did a little research, so um, I wasn't super familiar with, with um, before reading the story, what G, what how Israel was laid out and how that related to Gaza and exactly where Samson was from. So I did a little, a little research and found Samson was born and, and raised in a town called Zorah. Zorah was in southwest Israel right there. You know, in, if you're present with familiar day Israel, it's, it's an area of contention, right, between the Muslim and, and the Jewish people. He went to Gaza 
those two cities are approximately 25 miles apart, right? So I used my big brain, did a little bit of math. No, I'm just kidding. I used Google. Um, and found out that th those two areas were about 25 miles apart. Um, so then I used my big brain and did some math. No, just kidding. Again, I used Google. And I found out through a series of narrowing things down that the average human male takes approximately 56,250 steps in 25 miles. Think about that real quick. 56,250 steps is what took Samson from Zora to, to Gaza, right? 56,250 steps, and to simplify it, because I don't want to say that this much in that sermon, I'm going to say 50,000 steps, right? 50,000 steps he took there, and he had 50,000 chances to either do the right or the wrong thing, to either stop and turn around and meet redemption or keep going to a place he knew he shouldn't be. We all know right from wrong, right? And it's easy for us to sit here and, and judge Samson, but I can tell you, like in my life, there have been many, many, many times where I took 50,000 steps away from God in the wrong direction. One thing I, I, I know for sure, and I, I'm really big about this, from my experience, every time I've taken 50,000 steps in the wrong direction away from God, I also have 50,000 opportunities to turn around and do the right thing because, like we said last week, we serve a God who, no matter what we do, no matter how hard we push him away, Every single step away from him, he offers us a turnaround and offers us a redemption, right? And if we were, if we were in a massive megachurch right now, I would tell you to clap for that because that's, that's a, 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 a amazing that, that we get that kind of support from the creator of the universe, right? It's important to note that Samson also was in the, the land of his enemies, right? Even to this day, Israel and Gaza do not get along, right? It's a battled after territory. There's a, there's a lot of a lot of biblical evidence that, that even Jesus exists in the conflict that, that we, we see between um, Gaza and, and the rest of the, the Jewish culture. What's interesting is, and what I want us to take away from that, not only did he take 50,000 steps in the wrong direction, he also chose to go to the land of his enemies where he was alone and outnumbered, right? Which begs the question, and, and I want you guys to answer this rhetorically, who are your enemies? Who are your guys' enemies? As a Christian man living in today in our culture, who wants to see you taken further away from God? As a Christian woman, who, wants to, who are the obstacles in your way that the devil is using to, to prevent you from having the relationship that, that you need with God? And that's a super important question that I ask because if you understand who is for you, versus who is against you. If you really know who your enemies are and you know, um, you know who wants to see you succeed versus who wants to see you fail, if you truly understand that within yourself, oftentimes that'll prevent you or that'll guide you on which path you take, 50,000 steps away from God or 50,000 steps, right? If I know who wants to see me succeed, I'm gonna gravitate towards them, right? But oftentimes we skip that when we're trying to do something sinful and move away from God. Who are your enemies? The second point, and, and there, there's a couple in here, right? We become vulnerable to attacks from the devil when we are, really, when we're alone. And, and I'm going to talk about this a little further in depth. But we become pro vulnerable to attacks 
when we're alone, and more importantly, the second part of this, we become vulnerable to attacks when we're in places we shouldn't be. Think about that for a second. If you are an alcoholic, right, and, and we mess this up so much as humans, right, we act like it's such a hard concept, but it's really not, and I'm comfortable saying that because I've struggled with all of this. If you are an alcoholic, right, where's the last place you want to be? You shouldn't be at a bar, right? If you have an issue with gambling, where's the last place you should be, right? We act like that's such a hard concept, but oftentimes that's our first step in doing the right thing and avoiding sin is realizing like, hey, I shouldn't go to that place because I know that I'm going to sin, right? And, and it, it, it seems like it's super hard, but I know like I avoid bars like the plague. It has nothing for me. I don't drink anymore. I don't like being around drunk people. I know somebody's going to try to fight me for no reason. Like, I do, do not be places where you don't need to be if you know it's somewhere you struggle, right? Know who your enemies are. Don't be places you shouldn't be. Um, and, and then the, kind of the second point and the caveat to that, not only is there we end up in places we shouldn't be when we know we shouldn't be there, but there's also certain times that we shouldn't be in places, right? Time and a place for everything. And a perfect example of that is, and this is the first time I'm talking about this as a preacher, so bear with me. If you struggle with porn addiction, right, there's probably certain times in the day where you are affected more or less than others, right? There's probably certain times when you're alone where you're affected more than others. So if you struggle with a porn addiction, probably shouldn't be on your phone at nighttime or early in the morning, right? It's just a perfect example of Places we shouldn't be, at times we shouldn't be there. These are all the bad decisions, and now you see where Samson is taking these steps to get there. Um, time and a place. One of my favorite uh, pastors, and, and I, I really love to read his books and listen to him. He's, he's a man by the name of Craig Rochelle, um, and I just finished reading his book. He, ha he has something he's coined the HALT method. And the HALT method is an, is an acronym that he, used is, he uses to describe the four times that we as humans are most vulnerable to attacks by the devils and sin, right? HALT stands for, and these are the four times that, that we are most vulnerable, is when we're hungry, when we're angry, when we're lonely. What does T stand for? And when we're tired. Hungry, angry, lonely, and tired, right? And there's subcategories to that, but name a time where you've made a bad decision in your life that didn't stem from being in one of those situations, right? Hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. And it, it, if, if this is your first week, and it, most of you, I don't think it is, you know that like one of my patterns as a pastor is, is I, I believe that the number one tactic that the devil uses out of all of those things is what? The number one tactic he uses is to get you alone. Think about that. What, is a what does a predator do when it wants to attack on its prey? You, you single it out from the rest of the group. So out of halt, hungry, angry, lonely, tired, my personal belief, and this isn't biblical, this is just from my experience, is that the number one tactic the devil uses to get you vulnerable is to get you alone. That is why I'm so adamant about having deep-rooted relationships, right? That's why I'm, I'm so adamant that Save the Cowboy can do things for you that other churches can't, right? It's because of this right here and that. 
The devil will use you and get you alone. And that's why I think it's really important to have deep-rooted, friendly relationships with people that you can confess your struggles with with people who understand, with people that, can, that you can call at three in the morning and they will be there. Because again, and I know it's repetitive, but I'm trying to drive a point, the devil gets you alone and you become his playground. The most times we're vulnerable is when we're hungry, angry, lonely, and tired, correct? We become vulnerable when we make bad decisions, take a few bad steps, right? Sometimes it's 50,000 of them, and we start a bad habit. Understand something, too. Where God isn't, the devil is. Where God isn't, the devil is. And what I mean by that is when we choose to push God out of a situation in our life, we are opening the door for and welcoming the devil into our vulnerability, right? And and I'm not saying that's on purpose. I'm not making that claim, but where God isn't, the devil is, right? If we, when we choose to go the path away from God, We are sometimes vicariously, but we are doing it, choosing to walk towards the devil. Where God isn't, the devil is. So let's pick back up in in verse 1. You can see we're going really deep into the Bible tonight. One day Samson went to Gaza where he saw a prostitute. He went in to spend the night with her. Samson's decision led to Samson's steps, which created a bad habit in Samson's life. I got another question for you guys. I'm glad we have a packed crowd so I can ask these these rhetorical questions. What habits do you have in your life that are preventing you or hurting your relationship with God? What habits do you guys have that are creating uh, um, bad patterns in your life that are causing you to sin, right? Why do you think I think that is important? Because we cannot overcome, we cannot defeat what we cannot define in our lives. We cannot grow as Christians. We can't grow as believers. We can't get better if we don't choose to identify where our struggles are in life and do something about them, right? We cannot defeat what we can, what we don't understand is a problem, right? Another important question that we need to define um, is what do you do with a bad habit? How do you kick a bad habit? And, and, and I think that's super important, and, and I really, really thought about that this week. Why are our bad habits so easy and good habits are so hard, right? And, and it comes down to something, and, and you guys would be proud of me. I coined it this week. I call it the, uh, the, the reward versus pain scale, right? With a bad habit, my reward is instantaneous, right? And the pain is later. Conversely, with a good habit, my reward or my pain is instantaneous, and my reward is oftentimes much further down the road. And and what I mean by that is, if I'm trying to lose weight, right, which I am, um, for me to eat eat a bowl of ice cream, right, super awesome, euphoric, I'm doing what I want to do, right, my reward is instantaneous, but what comes after that? I gain weight, my stomach hurts, I don't feel good, my back hurts. What comes further, further down the road? I still haven't lost any weight, now I have to go see a doctor, now I get a bad diagnosis, now there's some catastrophe in my life, right? Conversely, if I want to lose weight, let's say I get up to run every morning, right? It's a struggle at first, it's cold, 
my joints hurt, I'm tired, I'm not in good shape, I'm in bad cardio shape, um, I'm sore for the rest of the day, it's just not fun, right? And then I'm able to string together seven days of that, and in seven days I don't lose the weight I think I should. But then I keep that consistent, 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 right? And in a month's time, or not a month, that would be amazing. In a year's time, I've lost 100 pounds, right? Good habits versus bad habits, and they're so hard, but God calls us to the good habits, right? I lose 100 pounds, I don't face the catastrophe that I could face if I, if I chose the easier route, right? Kick your bad habits in your life, and, and again, we said, catastrophe in our life stems from us making a bad decision, right? And that, that usually can be fairly quick. Taking the steps to get there while ignoring the opportunity to turn around and repent. And then developing bad habits in our life, and then we end up in the gazas of our lives, right? What does it take to kick a bad habit? Number one, give it to God, right? And, and, and I know that's that's sometimes easier said than done. That's a cop-out or, or whatever they call it. Develop a relationship with God where you can give that to God. If you're calling that a cop-out, then I know you don't have the relationship with God that you should, and then you should pray for God to open your heart that way. And I know because I struggle with that all the time. Kick the bad habits in your life. You know, in, in closing... This, this week, and I, I don't know, I think most of you are Long X Ranch Cowboys, but I posed a question in the, in the Long X Ranch Cowboy group. And, and, and I asked a simple question. I, I said, where were you at when you first, when you discovered Christ? And what I meant was, where were you at in your mind? How was your life going? Were you at a point of catastrophe in your life, or were you at a, a great point in your life? And I, I actually was, I expected it to be most people saying, Oh, my, I, I was at a point of catastrophe, right? But it actually was, was kind of down the middle. Um, one of my favorite answers, and, and this person is in the room, and they, uh, they always answer things really well online. But I was super drawn to it because it, it was kind of a, a story like my, my redemption with Christ. Um, and, and what Jessica said was, was that, it, it, I, and I'm going to paraphrase here, but you guys can go back and read it. She said that she was essentially struggling with, with her back and forth with God. And the day she really understood wasn't going super well for her. And Kevin said something in, in, um, in church that really just changed her, her way of thinking, right? What did, you, what did he say, Jessica? He said, God does not hate you. And to me, that was super powerful, right? And I think that there, and, and it seems so simple, right? But that, that's exactly what I thought when, when I was new to Christ, right? I always struggled with the fact that I believed that God was a bully and I was an ant and he had a magnifying glass, right? I believed my life, and I don't know if you guys can relate, that there was a God, but he wasn't for me. And that's where, where when, I, when I really came to Christ, that's where my redemption story changed was right there, was that God does not hate you. And, and again, that seems so simple, and that seemed, but oftentimes God, I know in my experience, speaks to me in the most simplest forms, right? God does not hate you guys. In fact, God goes out of his way when we're headed towards, to, towards catastrophe to protect us and give us another option. Our, our bad habits, 
our bad decisions lead to these bad steps, but like I said, every time we do that, we serve a God who, who when I take 50,000 steps that way, he goes with me and gives me an opportunity to turn around. Get rid of these bad habits in your life and avoid catastrophe. And maybe you guys are at a point in your life where you're suffering from, from catastrophe. Understand something. God doesn't want you to be there. God doesn't hate you. God wants you to turn around and, and make the right decisions. And I know it's tough, but he can get you out of that situation. And, and what does it take to get there? I don't know. I don't know. It's going to take a relationship with him, right? It's going to take prayer, and it's going to take those steps, right? And maybe that's what you need to hear, right? Maybe there are some people in here who, who are, 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 do not believe in God and are at a cat- catastrophic point in their life, and they just need something. And I would challenge them, like, get with us. Talk to God about us. Um, um, give church a shot. Get baptized. Because, again, we serve a God that, that walks with us and offers us a better option, right? Ask yourself those, the tough questions that I've asked you tonight, right? And, and I keep having to ask myself the same stuff to avoid these catastrophic moments in our life. And if you're there, get with us. We can, we, we can work through that, and, and you have a friend in me, I can tell you that. I know Mitch will work with you. I, I know all of these people here are amazing people in the front row who pour into each other, and that's what this place offers you, and that's what God offers you. Let's go to God in prayer. Lord, we just come to you in thanks that there, there's so many people here within our lives that, that care to see us take the right road, that are there for us no, no matter what happens. And Lord, more importantly, we thank you that you're a God that does that, that, that you, you walk with us. And even when we push you away or even when, when we choose to let the devil in and, and, and make bad decisions, Lord, you offer us a way out. You love us so much, Lord. I just want to thank you for the, the, the people that are, that are here that support us, that, that support Sunday night ministry, and that support this ministry in general, Lord. We would be nothing w- without you and without these amazing people. I pray that you, you bless this week, you bless this ministry, and you bless these people. In your name we pray. Amen.